could use a handheld in a minute. Is it coming through at all? It is. Hey, how good is that? We're going to need a microphone after United, I guess. Uh, I, I'd love to pray for us. Uh, I know it is a special time, isn't it, when you go away to the church and then you come back and whoever's rusted on preaching, well, you know, the Lord help him. So uh, why don't I pray and, uh, and we'll dig into what is a wonderful part in God's Word. Our Father, we thank you for a chance to hear you speak, to hear more of the Lord Jesus. Pray that you would capture our hearts tonight by our Good Shepherd. Amen. Now, up on the screen, there should be a, a picture from a movie. Does anyone know this movie? Anyone yell out what it is? Soul. Pixar movie. Pixar tried to get philosophical. And it is a fascinating movie. It's about a guy named Joe Gardner. That's Joe Gardner. He is a failed jazz musician. He's classically trained. He... He thinks he's good, but he's actually just teaching high school. And he teaches kids that don't actually want to play, and he's bored out of his mind day after day after day. And he gets a call to come and play at a gig, and it's like his life is finally cracked up to something. And on the way back from the trial, he falls down a manhole and he dies. And that's not even spoiling the movie. That's the first five minutes. It's a crazy movie. He dies and he appears in this place up on the screen and it's called The Great Beyond. Uh, I think it'll come up in a minute. It's like this cosmic conveyor belt and what happens is these souls head along and then it's like a bug zapper at the end and they kind of go pop and that's it. And he realises that he's died, but he doesn't want to be dead. And he thinks, this is not what my life was meant to be. I haven't done enough. I haven't actually worked out the purpose of my life. And so he runs the other way. And you can watch the movie to work out the rest. But here's the thing. That is a profound moment, I think, to, to look back on your life and think, what was it all for? What's the point For Joe Gardner, he looked back and he thought, being a music teacher to kids who don't care, that's not good enough. There must be something more. And I wonder for you tonight, what is it for you that you want to get out of your life? Where do you want to be? What what would it be that you would say, I've made it if I do that thing, if I have that person? In a sense, I want to take you up there. I don't want to drop you down a manhole, but I want to take you up there and think about what is the purpose of your life? What is the good life and where do you even find it? Because Jesus offers an extraordinary claim in our passage and many of us have heard it before. I don't want that to lessen how extraordinary it is though. He says, I've come, it's up on the screen, I came to offer that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says the very reason he came is that we might have real life. Abundantly, in a sense, life that does not finish at the grave but continues on for eternity. Staggering claim, isn't it? And Jesus says actually that he is the only one who can offer it. And all I want to do with you tonight is examine that claim. 
to work out what, what does Jesus mean, where is that life found, how do you get it, how, how is it that Jesus can actually pull through with this, how, how can he offer this life and what does it look like to live it? So first, where do you find it? Have a look at verse 10. It would be very helpful if you had your Bibles in front of you to do this. Verse 10, Jesus says, I came. Notice that phrase. He says, I came that they may have life. It is because of the coming of Jesus that this life is on offer. Verse 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying, in him is where this life is found. That is an exclusive claim, isn't it? Saying, I have come to offer life and only in me is it found. We're going to explore this more. Have a look at the first five verses. Jesus starts to build a picture for us. And he's talking about sheep and shepherd. The shepherd comes in through the gate and he knows his sheep and he calls his sheep by name. They know his voice and they follow him. Whereas the robber and the thief, they don't come by the gate, they slip over the fence. Now, what are you meant to do with that? Five verses, sheep and shepherds. Tell you what the Pharisees and the crowd did. They thought, what the heck's going on? They didn't know what he was talking about. Why is Jesus doing this? I take it he's bringing an image for us that we might have it in our heads. An image of the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. Now, it's a pretty clear image of first century sheep farming. It's not like when you go into country New South Wales and you see the quad bikes. That's not the kind of image we're dealing with. If you've ever been there, there's more quad bikes than farmers and you kind of feel like there's millions of sheep and it's dusty and horrible. That's not quite the image we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a shepherd who leads his flock. He knows his flock. He calls them by name. It's a beautiful picture. And he builds on it in verse 7. Have a look down there. He says, I am the door for the sheep. Again, verse 9, I am the door, the entryway. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture. See, Jesus is saying, if you want life, real life with God, the God who made you, the only place you can go is him. Nothing else will work. Have a look at verse 8. All who came before me, Jesus says, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, in the context of John's Gospel, I know we've jumped right into the middle of John. In chapter 9, Jesus has just healed a man born blind, and the Pharisees are really ticked off, the religious leaders of the Jews. And Jesus here says, you are like thieves and robbers. You are leaders that are leading the sheep astray. But Jesus says, actually, I am the only way. Don't follow them, follow me. And I take it the same problem is true for us. Maybe not for leaders. We're not very good in Australia at following our leaders. But I wonder what it is for you that makes you tempted to look away from Jesus and at other doors, doors that might promise life. Because I take it we all long for the good life, don't we? We want life to be good. 
We want the car, maybe, the house. Although some of you have given up on that dream. Maybe just a family. At base, I take it all of us at least just want to be happy, don't we? Is that what we view as the good life? I just want to be happy. But even there, when you start to scratch at our desire to be happy, we come up with a problem. It feels simple, doesn't it? I just want to be happy. That can't be so hard. But have a listen to what Stephen Hayes says. He's a psychologist. Up on the screen. To think of happiness as a kind of warm, joyful feeling in your heart that you have to pursue and grab and hold on to for fear that it'll go away, that's like a butterfly, he says, that flies away the more you chase it. He says, you might feel good when you live that way, but it doesn't live well. It doesn't live well. Now, do you see what he's saying? That all of these things we chase after for happiness... They actually do feel good for a while, but they don't live well. They don't bring what they offer. The house, the job, the family, they do not, if we place them as our ultimate meaning in life, they will not bring us happiness and satisfaction. Even secular psychologists are recognising this. Why is that? Why is it that everything that we long for, that we chase after, our heart's desires, we we long for it and as soon as we grab it, it's like, I need something else now and something else. This endless chase after things that we long for. You ever wondered why those things don't satisfy? Jesus says it's because we were made for him and only in relationship with him will we have real life. I wonder what is it for you that makes you tempted to look away from Jesus and focus your life on other things? Here's a diagnostic test. I call it the this-then thing. It goes like this. You fill out the sentence, if I just had this, whatever it is for you, then I'd be happy. I wonder what is that for you? Because I want to urge us from the Bible here, Jesus is saying, whatever it is, if it's not him, it will not bring you ultimate meaning in life. They cannot bear the weight. Only Jesus can. At this point, it is critical we let the Bible shape our view of the world, that Jesus says there is life abundantly, but it is only found in him. And so we're called to trust him to find life. Now, that's a big claim. How does Jesus offer that kind of life, the life that is a relationship with God now and continues beyond the grave? Have a look at verse 11. Jesus continues, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, that's an extraordinary verse, isn't it? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's because we have a great problem. We're in great danger and we need a shepherd who will rescue us. Now, a number of years ago, Paige and I, we, we, we just got engaged 
and we went up to celebrate our engagement up at Lake Macquarie. And so what do you do? Well, we, we went for a kayak out in those, you know, those little sea kayaks, nice and low and, and fast. It was good fun. We were out in the middle of the lake, beautiful day. And I looked over, and there was this fin in the water. And I thought, oh, lovely, you know, a dolphin, that's nice. But it, it started doing the dorsal action. And I kind of thought, that's not a dolphin. Uh, I don't know what that is, but it's not a dolphin. And it got closer, and it became very clear that it was a shark. Actually, quite a big shark. We, we found out on the news the next day it was a three-and-a-half-metre great white shark. And so I, I turned a page, and I said, it's okay, stay calm. Now, the problem with that was that Paige wasn't wearing her glasses, and so she couldn't see anything. And so she's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm pretty calm. What's wrong? And it started to become very clear what was wrong because it started circling our kayak. And we were terrified. We just thought, we're gone. This thing is massive, twice the size of our kayak. What are we going to do? Now, it didn't eat us. You know, I'm still here. Paige is still here up the back. We're okay. We, we went to shore, but it was, it was quite a terrifying time. But here's the point. The whole time, danger was actually in the water. It's only when we saw the fin that we started to realise what was there. Danger was there the whole time, but when you see it, you really know this is real. I think that's what Jesus does for us in the Bible for sin. See, sin is real, and we hear it and we go, yeah, yeah, I know. But Jesus says, no, it is a real danger. He points to the fin in the water and he says, you need to know that without me there is eternal death. Sin is real even if we can't see the danger. Can I urge you tonight to see with spiritual eyes the real things that Jesus points out? Look at what he says. Verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. See the image Jesus is using? The wolf. Outside the paddock, we are vulnerable because of our sin, because we've all ignored God, we've rejected him, it means that we face death and judgment. And Jesus is saying, just like I can't take on a great white, just like a sheep can't take on a wolf and survive, without God's intervention, we cannot stand up to our judgment. We are in completely over our heads. But that's why Jesus came into our world, isn't it? to deal with our problem of sin. See, because we'd cut ourselves off from God, God didn't ignore us, but he came down in the person of the Son. You see what Jesus says? He dies for the sheep. See, here's the thing. When Jesus calls us sheep, it's not meant to be a compliment. I don't know if you worked that out. It's not really a compliment to be called a sheep because sheep... Well, they can't do a lot, can they? You know, out in the wild, if, if you let a dog go wild, you'll find a wild dog eventually, maybe. Stray cats, wild pigs. What, what happens, though, if you let a sheep go wild? Well, it just kind of wanders, doesn't it? 
Where's my haircut? Where's my dinner? What's going on? There's no grass here. What am I meant to do? Where's home? I just want to go home. And Jesus is saying that is us outside of a relationship with God. We are not made to be wild. We are made for our Heavenly Father. Without a shepherd, a sheep is a dead sheep. But come back to Jesus' words. He is the good shepherd, he says, who lays down his life for his sheep. What kind of shepherd does that? Did you feel that as we read? A shepherd who would die for sheep. Smelly, (laughs) stupid sheep. That's an extraordinary cost, isn't it? But what an extraordinary God we have who would come down and die for his creation, who had rejected him, who took our death and judgment so that we can have life. See, that is how Jesus offers life abundantly, life that goes beyond the grave through his death. Because it is in his death that he takes on the wolf. He takes on our sin, death and judgment in our place. Isn't that an extraordinary sacrifice? So that as we trust in him, we can have eternal, abundant life. See, here's the thing. Jesus is the only place where true life is found. The only place. And it is by his death that he offers it to us. Now, if all of that is true, and I take it many of us believe that is true, what does it mean to live for Jesus? What does it mean to live this life that he offers? Well, how do you receive life from Jesus? Have a look at what he says. Jesus says, whoever enters through him will be saved. How do you do that? Well, here's where I take it the image of sheep and shepherds is really helpful. Quick word with the person next to you. What's the one word you'd use to describe the relationship between a sheep and its shepherd? Have a quick word. We've been at United, and so we'll get us back together. Who, who's got an answer? Yeah. Dependence. Oh, that works so well, because I tell you what, that's exactly what I thought too. Now, let me flesh that out. Dependence. That is the relationship between sheep and their shepherd. They don't offer anything. Have you ever heard of a sheep cooking dinner for its shepherd? A sheep doesn't do anything. They sit there and they are cared for. They can't offer anything. And Jesus says if you would come to him, that is the kind of relationship. I take it the Bible's word faith is another way of describing that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus, to cast ourselves on him. We don't offer anything, but we come and say, Lord, I'm going to live for you, in dependence on you. That is the heart of the Christian faith. 
that we come under the lordship of Jesus as his. But I want to offer two marks of the Christian life, the life that is lived in dependence of the Lord Jesus. First, from our passage, that we hear his voice. Have a look at verse 4. Jesus says, The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 16. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Have a look. They will listen, Jesus says, to my voice. Fundamental to what it means to be a Christian is to hear the voice of Jesus and respond in obedience. Because our God is not silent, is he? Have we read the Bible earlier? This is what we're looking at now. And it is the very words of God. I wonder when the last time you thought about that was in your quiet times. That as we read, this is not just a book, is it? It's not a chore that we're, we're just to read our Bible, do our quiet time. This is the voice of God. We have the words of the living God in our hands. I want to encourage you, that is a precious, precious thing. I wonder how are you going with your Bible reading? Not not because you can tick a box. Do you long to hear your God speak to you? You know, sometimes it's really hard though, isn't it, to hear the voice of Jesus because he presses on things we don't want. Jesus said he offers the good life, not the easy life. And there will be things in the Bible that Jesus says that we don't want to do because our desires run completely counter. What will you do when that happens? Jesus says, listen to my voice. I wonder, is there something in your life even tonight that you need to deal with? A part of your life that you haven't given over to Jesus. That you know what he says, you know his ways best, and yet you continue to live without his lordship. Can I encourage you, tonight is the night to do something about that. Don't put that off. It is worth it to follow Jesus. His way is best. First, hear his voice. Second, know him. Have a look at verse 14. Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. Now that is a verse we could spend a whole night on, isn't it? Jesus says, when you come to me, I know you and you know me. That is an extraordinary intimacy of relationship with God. You know, if you're a Christian, you know God. In a real sense, you have a relationship with him. And isn't it crazy that Jesus knew us as he went to the cross? He knew what we were like and he still died for us. This is not a relationship that's conditional. Jesus says, I know you come to me. And as we put our trust in him, remember that wonderful privilege. See, I take it when when other things in life pull us in the other direction, one of the ways we can counter that is to remember the high privilege it is to know the Lord. That is the good life, isn't it? That's it, that we know God. We know the Lord Jesus and we will be with him forever. 
That is worth far, far more than a good life here and now, than happiness, health, wealth. Anything the world can offer will pale in comparison to this. Can I urge you, please don't put off Jesus for a few things in this short life. That is not worth it. This is the good life. And I want to point something out as we close. We didn't read this, but down in verse 27, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that an extraordinary promise? Jesus says, if you are in him, if you trust him, no one, nothing can shake your identity as a child of God. You are in his hand. You cannot move from his hand. Nothing, nothing in the future, no sickness, grief, death will shake that confidence. So press on, can I say, because we have a great assurance in the Lord Jesus. And this abundant life, we will see on the other side of glory, won't we? As we're raised, we will be with our good shepherd. And I take it the words of David come true forever, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege that you offer real life, relationship with you, restored. Lord, help us to see with your eyes the things of importance. We pray that we would find satisfaction and contentment in the Lord Jesus as we live this life for you. Amen.